Welcome to the Free From Binge Eating Podcast with me, Breed, your host. Binge eating sucks. Trust me, I know. I was stuck in that spiral of binge, restrict, diet, yo-yoing weight loss, feeling guilty and ashamed, and hating my body for 10 years. Now that I'm out, I'm turning my pain into purpose by helping you stop binging, start loving your body, self, and life again. It's time to live free from binge eating. Are you ready? Let's go. Hello, lovely people. Welcome to another ep. As you can see, it's an interview. We've got a lovely guest on board. It's Emily Bott. I'll introduce her in a second. But first, a quick, quick reminder, guys. If you're listening to this as it came out, the date came out, or slightly after, a reminder that the 30-day reboot prices are going up Thursday, 4th of March. So this is the time to get off the fence, make your decision, and hop on in if it feels good for you. So that's the 30-day reboot. And other than that, guys, I've got a lot in store for March. I've got a lot for you guys, freebies, trainings, and a chance for you guys to work with me in what I think is the best container yet that I've put out there. So I'm super excited to share everything that I've been preparing in the background, behind the scenes. The last few months, I've just been super busy. Had my head down low, haven't been as present on social media because I've just been doing so much preparation for what's in store for you guys in March. As always, my goal is just how can I help you guys out in the best way possible, in the most supportive way, in the way that's ultimately going to get you the results that you want because that's what it's really about. It's about helping you with what you're struggling with, which I can totally relate to, and get you out the other side to that place that you dream of. And let me tell you, it's not a distant dream. This dream is possible. Your dreams can come true. So enough about that. Let's get into this episode. So we're going to chat with Emily Bott. She's amazing. We actually did our coaching certification with Hungry for Happiness together last year. And we didn't really get to know each other that much in the course. But after she invited me onto her podcast, we got to know each other. I have her onto mine. So it's a cool little fun relationship that's budding. You guys are just going to love her story. So relatable. Like so many of us, the the food and body stuff really snowballed during the college years, those late, late teens kind of period. She also shares tons of nuggets of wisdom, tips and tricks over about what worked for her, specifically around body image and perfectionism. Two things that I'm sure a lot of you would love some help with. So Without further ado, let's get into this very, very juicy episode in three, two, one. Welcome, Emily, to the show. Excited to have you here and to just get to know you more and to just chat on all these food and body kind of topics that are really relevant, obviously, to everyone listening. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I am literally so excited to be here. Yay. <laughs> okay, well, maybe before we go into the the infamous quick fire questions okay how about just give us a bit of an intro who you are maybe yeah. where you're from also we just talked about that like two minutes yeah. ago but <laughs> let us let them know as well sure sure well hello everybody my name is Emily Bott I am an emotional wellness coach we completed our certification program together which is how we know each other um but we could not be farther apart <laughs> so I <laughs> live in Chicago, Illinois. Sorry, you might hear my dogs barking in the background. It is morning here and they're very just, you know, anxious in the morning. 
Um, but yeah, so I'm from Chicago, Illinois. That's where I currently am residing. And um, yeah, you know, I right now I help individuals who struggle with binge eating and food obsession, you know, really find that freedom, really find that you know, that, that ease and that comfort in their body that they so deserve. Because mm-hmm. I mean, as we'll get into, it's just been such a long journey for, for both of us. And I think it's absolutely ridiculous that we are constantly feeling uncomfortable and running away from our bodies and struggling with food. Like this is not how it's meant to be. You know, I, I truly believe that it is our birthright to just to be okay with who we are and, and accept and, and just love ourselves. So yeah, that's what I'm currently doing through my one-on-one and soon-to-be group programs. So I'm really excited. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Oh, such a good point. Like, we, this is not how it's supposed to be. Like, hating our <laughs> bodies and obsessing around calories and food. Literally, literally. I mean, it it is such, like, a waste of time. And I mean, that with, like, so much love. I mean, I remember how tough it was and how many years I spent only thinking about calories in, in my body and, like, how do my roles feel today? And like, how uncomfortable mm-hmm. does it feel to just be in my body? You know, at that time I was, um, I was in school, like I was at college and even in high school when I was really young, like just sitting was so uncomfortable. And I remember not being able to concentrate on anything else, but how much I hated myself. And I, like, even as a young kid, I was like, this just can't be it. <laughs> like, yes. there's no way we are meant to suffer this much. And as I, I think that's really what um, like kickstarted my healing journey, you know, yeah. years ago. And, and then when we found like this work, I was like, oh yeah, like this is, this is it. And once I really got to that place of acceptance and love and freedom, and I was like, yeah, I'm never leaving this place. <laughs> awesome. Let's just like hop straight into it. Cause I don't even know your story yeah. for those listening, by the way, I was on Emily's podcast, like, I don't know, like two months ago, a month and a yeah. half ago. And I shared my story there and now it's her time to share her story with me as well. <laughs> Well, you were so fun to have. So thank you again for, for oh, hopping on that. Fun. That was so fun. Okay, so long story short, um, I will try and sum up my story and as, <laughs> as precisely as possible, I tend to, to talk a lot. So just like cut me off whenever. Um, so I guess it really starts, you know, when I was a kid, um, I was always a very small girl. You know, I'm still not very tall. Um, mm-hmm. But growing up as a kid, I was an athlete. I was a gymnast. I was a cheerleader. And I was like a perfectionist. So in every single regard, it started with school, right? Like I would always get the grades. I was that person that was like, oh, Emily's going to get the A regardless. She's going to study for seven hours. She'll do what it takes. And so I really had that that degree to me where I always had to be doing more. It never felt like enough. And even when I got the A, it was, you know, okay, great. I expected that moving on to the next thing that I need to Mm -hmm. speak with about. And so anyways, when I... As soon as I, you know, my junior year of high school, um, I'm like, you know, or my senior year, excuse me, my last year of high school, I decided like the the cheerleading was giving me so much anxiety. It it really was like breaking my body. I was literally in pain 24 seven and I was never sleeping. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to quit. Like I'm I'm just done with the sport. Mm -hmm. And it was a great decision. I really am proud of myself for that. Um, and what I decided to do before, you know, I went off to college was, you know, I'm going to get fit my senior year of high school. Like, I'm really going to start this healthy lifestyle. I had always been a super, super picky eater. So I was like, I'm going to start eating better and working out. Like, I'm so excited to go to the gym and like do my own thing and not have to do like the cheer workout that I hated. So again, it started so innocently, like truly, um, so I, you know, it's just started, I went to the gym after school and I, I'm like, oh, I, I found this thing called my fitness pal. And I don't know if you've ever heard of her. 
Yeah. Um, super interesting. And I was like, you know what? I want to lose weight fast. Like, you know, I want to get fit for college. So what's like the, I mean, I put in the thing and it gave me the calories that I should start eating. And so I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like less calories will be losing weight faster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, that perfectionism in me really translated into this like whole fitness and like healthy lifestyle fitness mm-hmm. journey. Because then like I, what I did was I'm like, okay, like I'm going to make this like an equation or I'm going to like put this in my planner and really start tracking and doing everything to like the perfect degree like I do in school because it works, right? So I started doing that. I started writing everything down. I started tracking and I started going to the gym like at, at crazy hours true too. Like yeah. I, it became this thing at like on Friday nights when I had no plans, I was like, well, screw it. Like, I'm just going to go to the gym, burn some more calories and like, ha ha ha. Like I'm going to lose weight, be like super Mm -hmm. fit. And like, everyone's going to be jealous of me. And obviously like, I never would say that out loud, but that was truly like, yeah, like superiority complex was inside of me for some reason, for some reason. I mean, we, we know where this comes from, but it really did start to, to take hold of like, wow, I'm, I'm doing this. And it made me feel like way morally better than everybody else. That's so funny that you say that because I just recorded an episode with the one-to-one client. She said the exact same thing regarding like tracking. She's like, because I knew the amount of calories in every single thing that I ate and the other people ate, I felt morally superior. Yeah. Yes. Crazy. It is like this control thing. And yeah. And I at the time I didn't realize like how insidious it was about to become. Um, I really (laughs) did just think, you know, like, okay, I'm doing what the, the app is saying and it's working. I really did lose weight very quickly. And again, being a pretty small girl to begin with, like losing any amount of weight was like in the amount of time that I did was very noticeable. And so people started to comment and of course say, Em, you look so good. Like, Mm -hmm. what are you doing? Like, you look amazing. You're so small. You're so tiny. And, you know, as we know, like those, especially, I think I was 17, I think 16, 17 at the time, um, you know, those were so impressionable and those comments really sink in you know, and at this point in time, I was really nervous about going off to school and so much was about to change in my life and shift. And, you know, being that controlling person, control freak that I was, um, I was terrified. And so this really gave me a sense of security and safety when I look back on it. Um, though at the time, you know, I didn't really realize why I was doing it. I just knew that it was making me feel good in the moment. Mm -hmm. So I was going to continue. And, and as I continued, um, I would say I lost, okay. So what would happen is I was really good, quote unquote, good at sticking to this regimen um, until, you know, like Friday or Saturday. And it started as like one um, cheat meal, right? Mm-hmm. And so what, what I started to do, and it started slowly, but I would like all week, I would, I would, cause I would eat really like the same thing. I don't even remember what I was eating at this point. It was just like nothing. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, you poor thing. But um, again, so much compassion for that version. She was really doing the best that she could. Yeah. But um, I, what I would start doing is like middle of the week, I'd be like starving. I'd be really hungry and I'd be scrolling through tasty videos or I'd be scrolling through these like cheat meal accounts on Instagram. And I'd be like looking at these like super saturated pictures of food. And I would just like, my stomach would be growling and I'd be like, okay, what am I going to eat on that cheat day? Like, or that cheat meal? Yeah. What is it going to be? It's got to be perfect. Like I'm so excited. And soon I started living for this like one little cheat meal. Yeah. Okay. And so I think I, I probably did on the weekends. I don't really remember. Um, but so I, I would like put so much emphasis into like, okay, this meal has to be perfect. And then that day would come and I would eat the thing and it was never good enough. It was mm. never what I wanted. So then I just like 
would, if the cookies weren't enough and I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to make a cake now, or I'm going to have right. a cake now. And it slowly started to like build and build and build and build because that meal could never be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and before even I like went, per- the perfection is coming out in the binge as well. Yes. Oh my God. Like it, it totally manifested in every yeah. single aspect of my journey. A hundred percent. And so then during these binges, like I would, it, it became so out of control. Like suddenly I mean, I think it was about like six months after I started my like quote unquote fitness journey Mm -hmm. that I think I experienced like my first blackout, like binging where I Mm -hmm. literally didn't remember like how much I ate, what I ate. Like there was a period of, I want to say like two hours where I just like don't remember anything because I was in such that, that crazy, like that, that, you know, when that part of your brain takes over, you're Mm -hmm. no longer in control, right? Like it is like an animalistic hunger and I had no idea what was happening. And it was like during it, I didn't. I really don't remember, but I remember after I was like, what was that? Like, that was insane. Like, what is wrong with me? And after that, you know, the curiosity for what happened was momentary. And then all of a sudden the guilt and the shame hit it because I looked around me with all these wrappers and I'm like, oh my goodness. Like I literally just ate my entire pantry. Mm -hmm. How many calories did I just consume? How much quote unquote, like weight did I just gain or how, like I just did all my hard work and like all of these, these things just started flooding in. And so that's kind of what started getting me stuck or like spiraled or fueled my, my relationship with like restricting, binging, restricting, binging, Mm -hmm. because after that, it really became like this weekly occurrence where, you know, okay, I had to make up for what I did last weekend, but by the time Friday, Saturday came along and at this time I was starting to experiment with alcohol. And so like certain like inhibitions were lowered, um, bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, the, the ironic thing is like during it, I knew so this, this year before going to college, I knew that it was becoming like an issue, but to me, like, I thought once I got to college, it was, it was going to settle down. It was going to go away and it'd be fine. Like, I really just, I didn't think too much ahead in the future. I'm like, you know what? It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I got to college, it got so much worse. Oh my goodness. Um, Why do you like, feel like it got worse in college? There's so many reasons. And I've looked back on this and I've done so much like healing around this, but I think the biggest thing was like, I was an anxious kid to begin with. And so moving to a new place. And I feel like you touched on this too, like starting over, making yeah. new friends, like being really afraid of like, oh my goodness, joining a sorority, doing this, like picking my major, like all of these things that the perfectionist in me needed to figure out right away. Like I had no sense of control. And so what happened was like, all I could really do was control my eating Mm -hmm. But because I was already so like stuck in this binge restrict, binge restrict cycle, it just like escalated and became way more extreme. Yeah. And so then when I added in alcohol, because, okay, now we're going out and like, I need to, I'm in a sorority and the sorority that I got into, you know, like we like to have fun. We're like party Mm -hmm. girls. And to me, you know, I'd never really been like a huge like party person in high school. Like I would go out, but I was never, I never had social events to like show up to and like guys to meet and one thing with me, especially as like a teenager, I was like, oh, if there's guys involved, like I'll be there. Like, it's fine. I'll figure it out. <laughs> and so, yeah, just, you know. Um, so anyways, I would, you know, so I, I felt the need to start drinking more and to start like really being this person who I thought that I needed to be. And as I started drinking more, you know, every single time that we'd go out, like suddenly it would, one sip of alcohol was not part of my plan. Like, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, we're going out on a Thursday. That's not my cheat day. Right. Like, I, I can't drink alcohol on my normal eating regimen, whatever I was on. Mm -hmm. And so suddenly if the day wasn't perfect, it would just become a binge. 
Mm-hmm. And so then what I found myself in college was like that first, the freshman year of college was every single time that I started to go out, I would just come back and just eat and eat and eat. And it got to the point where, you know, obviously we, we know that I was so afraid of gaining weight, right? Like after my mm-hmm. whole year of hard work, I don't know. I was like, I can't gain weight. Like I'll be a failure. And it'll just mean like, I'll hate myself and I'll hate my body and all of those things. So every single day I'd wake up and just be so ashamed. And I'd be in this like state of, of guilt and, and beratement from my body. I'd go to the gym for hours and hours and hours because I didn't know how to reconcile what happened. Mm-hmm. And after about a semester of this, it got to the point where I was barely sleeping. I was a mess. And I, I had this like really dark night of the soul moment. And I talk about this a lot because it, it, it needed to happen. And as scary as it was, like, I needed like a wake up call, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so this one particular event, um, it, yeah, we were studying for finals my last semester or the first semester of freshman year. And so a lot of my, my roommates had already gone home because I had like the last final. Mm-hmm. And so I was alone in my, my dorm room. And that was one of the things, like if my roommate was there, I wouldn't binge yeah. because I was so afraid. And I'm yeah. like, you know, this too, like I was so afraid of what would she think of like, I'm eating another bar. I mean, I'm doing this. So like, I was really, really good at hiding it. But when I was alone in my dorm room, I knew that there was no way, like my past 5 p.m., all I could think about was food. Like that was it. And if I was alone with food, I was going to binge at this point. That's like how extreme it had become. And my roommate was gone. And I remember being super stressed about studying and having to do all these things. And I was just like, and my friends were like, go out, go out. Come on. It's the last night. We're all going to be together. I was like, fine. So we go out, I have a couple things to drink. And at that point I I wasn't having fun. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go home. I have to study tomorrow. It'll be fine. Well, I go home and I'm alone and I've had like a couple things in me. And so I was just like ready to binge. And so this binge was like the biggest episode that I like could remember. Mm -hmm. And this is to the point where I was so full. I was so sick to my stomach. I was in so much pain, but I literally could not stop. Right. And I just remember like laying in bed that night. I had never experienced so much hatred for myself, like so much, like I really did not want to be there in those moments. And I had, I think this was the first time where I was like genuinely afraid of, you know, myself and my thoughts, because I was like, oh my goodness, like, this isn't me. Mm -hmm. Like I knew, like I had the awareness to be like, okay, like this isn't me. It's going to pass. But like, this feels so heavy right now. I don't know what to do. And I just laid there for like eight hours crying and tossing and turning and trying to fall asleep. But I hated myself so much that I couldn't. And I remember waking up that morning at 6 a.m. Or waking up. I I was up the whole time. But I remember rolling out of bed at 6 a.m. the next day. And the only thing that I could do was go to the gym because I'm like, okay, this is like what I this is how I'm going to work it off and like all these things. And I was I I was at the gym for three to four hours. Wow. crying yeah literally bawling my eyes out wow goodness nobody was there yeah not even like that would care because I was in such a like a frenzied state yeah and I remember thinking like okay I was at the gym and I was like this isn't I'm not okay like this has gotten out of hand like I can't focus on anything else and you know ironically throughout this whole entire time after that so right after the gym I met up with my boyfriend to go study right because because of finals and he's like hey like you like and then oh and then I was like oh I'm really tired I'm gonna go take a nap he's like why are you taking a nap like what's up and I was like you know just like was studying super late last night like couldn't sleep and like I hit it so well like like the the amount of 
like spiraling that I had like that night versus like how I could just pretend and put on a face Mm -hmm. for my boyfriend because I was I didn't even know what was happening to me like how could I tell somebody else at that point um it was it was insane like I was a different person and that too made me like I was like wow I'm being so inauthentic right now like I, I felt like two different people like the true self who was like really suffering and really struggling and then the person who I had to pretend to be because I didn't know what else to do and so after that, that's kind of when I realized, you know what, this is an issue, like this is not normal. When I went, went home that semester, I finally, like I mustered up the courage because even even when I went home, like there was that part of me that's like, maybe I'm fine, maybe I'm fine. Maybe that was just like once, like right. it's not gonna happen again. And of course, when I went home, like the same thing started occurring um, over winter break. And I was like, oh my God, I'm gaining weight. And I just, I couldn't feel good in my body. I was just uh, like a mess. So I finally like spoke to my mom. I was like, mm-hmm. hey, mom something something's not right like something is wrong with me and I don't know what it is I need help and thank goodness I like had that that courage within me because at that time I was so ashamed I was so embarrassed and I had no idea that this was like any like I thought I was the only person in the world experiencing this yes right like and especially like when you feel alone and you are suffering to the degree that you are oh my god it is terrifying. And I never want anybody to feel like that ever again, because it was just, you know, those moments really do change you. Right. And I know, you know, this too, but it's like, nobody deserves to feel like they are the one person on the planet going through Mm -hmm. something that's like not fixable, you know, or unhealable because that's never the case. It's never the case. Never. Yeah. 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 So then after that, um, you know, I really, I, I sought out therapy because we both really didn't know what it was. And at this point, I'd never even heard of binge eating. Like I yeah. didn't know I hadn't either when I was yeah. in it too. Right. Like I, I don't think there's a lot of information out there. Yeah. Um, and being like a small bodied individual, like I, I have thin privilege. And so I would, even if I were to look up like binge eating, like it wouldn't, they wouldn't look like me. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't think that I was experiencing that because I really did think that the body size um, would like dictate what you could experience. Yeah. Right now we know that that's not the case at all, but <laughs> again, like as a, at this point I was 18, I think 18, 19. Um, I thought, Oh, okay. Well, I'm not like overweight. I, you know, I'm, I'm still, yes, I gained, I don't know, maybe like 10, 15 pounds, but I'm not like, like huge and I didn't blow up. So I, this can't be what I'm experiencing, which only further invalidated and minimized my mm-hmm. experience and all of that. So, um, yeah, but after that, I really did just seek out therapy and you know, there was a point where I thought of taking a semester off from school and really trying to heal my relationship with food. And at that point in time, I don't really remember my reasoning why I didn't. I, mm-hmm. I truly think it was, um, I was so afraid of like what people would think and all that stuff. And because again, it was a complete secret. Nobody knew. And so um, I continued to go to school and, you know, whether or not that was the right decision in those moments, it was, you know, it, it I thankfully throughout years and years and years of healing, like I really did. Um, the binging did slowly end and subside, but yeah, it was, it was a crazy couple of, of years in college. I would say that I still really exhibited these behaviors, um, because again, I would like half start to want to heal, but then I wouldn't. So, cause again, there, there was parts of me that wasn't really ready to like really dive deep into like what was actually going on. Um, because I was afraid, I, I was truly afraid of what that would mean if I would accept my body or like my body this size or you know, and just, there were so many, so many underlying things there. Yeah. Um, and then just to quickly like wrap up kind of how I got to where I am now. Um, I would say, so yeah, my binging lasted a couple of years after that. Um, mm-hmm. And then after the binging ended, I, 
I realized, you know, this is when I started finding like accounts on Instagram about like all of these things. And I was like, wow, like I never realized how many people experience this. Like what the hell? And I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine who a high school friend and she, it was, I think it was going into my senior year of college at this point, And I had still rarely spoken about my, my struggle with food and my history with it. And she started opening up to me about her experience and it was dead on to what I had experienced. And in that moment, I remember we were literally sitting at noodles and company. I don't know if you guys have that. Mm-hmm. Ah, that that's a bummer by the way. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but I was sitting at noodles and company and I was like, Oh my God, like, had I known that she was experiencing the same exact thing or had she known this, like who knows where we would both be right now? Like how much different our, our journeys would have been. And I was actually at a point where I was like feeling really good and, and really at like a good place in my healing. Whereas she unfortunately was still really struggling. And so at this point I was like, I can no longer stay silent about something that mm-hmm. affected me so much. And like, miraculously, I like, like healed, like I really, really did. And so I was like, it, no, like I cannot stay silent anymore. And so that's when I really decided to, to dive into this work and pursue, you know, the certification and, and really shift my, my whole life trajectory. I mean, I was going to do speech pathology and, you know, help little kids speak and all that stuff. And I was like, God, my heart's not there. Like all I can think about is how much I, I need to help these individuals because, because I know it so well. And it's, it's something that touched my heart and yeah, yeah. So then, um, yeah, that's kind of how I found Hunger for Happiness. And I really realized once I joined that program, oh, wow, there are still a lot of things that I get to heal. Like, how beautiful. Yeah. And it really shifted my narrative around healing because there was so much resistance there. Like, there was, I like didn't want to do it. I was like, oh, my God, what if I gained weight? Like, there were still those, you know, voices within me mm-hmm. because we still have them, right? But um, it really got me to a place of, of true freedom, of just, like, life is so much different now. I don't really know how to describe it, but the whole entire paradigm shifted and living from this place of, of honoring and just acknowledging what is and allowing myself and going slow and, and doing what feels good for me, whether that's with food, exercise my body, like it is so amazing and everybody deserves us. Like mm. every single person. <laughs> and I will not yeah. Yes. Uh, thanks for sharing. Such yeah. a cool story to like, just like, here and I bet so many people listening just like me were like nodding at parts being like oh my god me too me too yeah I I get that it's crazy how when we share stories like I remember as you were sharing on my podcast like I remembered so many more aspects of my journey when you shared them yes remember like yeah it brings things back oh my god yes when you had said that like another thing that I used to do was like when I would run after I'd binge, cause I like, didn't know how else to reconcile what happened. And I would like be running at night and so dangerous. And like, I wasn't okay. And I was like, yeah. gonna puke. And I was like, what am I doing? Yeah. Like, this is insanity. And yet like the logical part of our brain, like isn't in control at that point. Cause yeah. we're just, it's, we're so consumed by, yeah, what we're in. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, happy that you're out of it. And you found I was thinking two things that like really stood out as you told your story that I want to dive into more and like ask you questions on Absolutely. first is the perfectionist so obviously you said it was there from the start and it manifested in so many areas including the food including the binging tell us a little bit about like where you feel like that stemmed from and like have you done work to release it oh my god yes 
So my perfectionism, she's still with me, <laughs> as we know. And we does she have a name? <laughs> you know what? I have not named her. I really should because she's like a literal bitch. I hate her. No. <laughs> you know, I love all parts of me. Um, I love what is, but you know, there's definitely moments where she comes up and I'm like, okay, I know that you're the one speaking right now and we have to figure out a way to, to speak to you, calm you down because this isn't working. <laughs> but, you know, it's so interesting. I have thought back to this, like where has my perfectionism stemmed from? And I don't really have um, like a specific memory or date. I mm-hmm. just always remember even being told as a kid, like when I was growing up that like I was a perfectionist and I was um always the person to like get the good grades or or to do this or to like check everything out to make sure it was okay like I was always very hyper aware and made sure everything was perfect for me and so I almost think that like that projection onto me as a little kid probably allowed me to like grow into the perfectionist right you know and again like no blame or shame to anybody you know who did this like of course there's there's no like harm like there's no I'm not upset you know it is what it is um, but I, I, cause I, I've really gone back and thought, okay, where did this come from? And to be honest, I don't know. And I'm hoping that, you know, as I continue this work and really do this deep inner healing that that will start to like come up to the surface. But right now, you know, we're kind of at the place where I don't really need to know, but I'm yeah. just allowing, at least I know how to, to really like regulate that voice out, right. And calm her down because even now in like business or in, um, just life stuff, it, it, the perfectionism comes up often. Oh Yeah. No, it's yeah. interesting because like I've I asked this question almost for my own benefit because I'm like, where yeah. did my perfectionist come from? Can she tell me? <laughs> I know. And isn't it so funny how like we do this work and we really want to know why? Like I was going around and around in circles because I was like, I need to figure out why. Like once I have the specific instance or memory that like know, really right? this, it'll heal. But ironically, I'm like, okay. I'm actually bringing in more suffering right now. And like, and that's almost the perfectionist at play trying to heal the perfectionist. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. 125,000%. Like, I'm like, oh my God, this is hilarious. Like, this is literally comical what I'm trying to do right now. So I'm like, I'm just going to take a step back, breathe a little bit, do some breath work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And probably even the the why, like, it doesn't always matter. It can be interesting. It can be insightful, but like, don't force the why anyway. Yeah. Well, that's the funny thing too, because I remember when I was in therapy, like there was so much talk about, okay, where did this come from? Why, why, why? And I'm like, this is like keeping me in this, like, I, I couldn't figure it out. I was like, man, this is making, bringing about more like stress into yeah. this whole thing. And I was like, maybe it doesn't matter. Like maybe right now I'm not supposed to know and that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's enough. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I've been since then. You know, I was just like, yeah. you know what, when it comes to the service, it will, but it definitely, um, really only progressed throughout my childhood because as soon as I started getting the good grades and and doing well in school like I, that was my identity yeah and as soon as I adopted that you know that was all that I knew myself to be and I, I think that's why really like when my uh, struggle with food in my body occurred like that's why it became so vicious because I could not drop the perfectionism of I need to track this I need to put this down I need to write this like there was just that control factor that I had only ever known to be really beneficial for me. And so suddenly when this, this modality or so to speak, this mechanism wasn't working and it was actually really like not serving me anymore. Hmm. I didn't know what else to do or how to handle it because that's only what I ever knew. So true. So true. Like exact same boat for me as well. Before we go on, I just wanted to jump in and let you know about something that could really, really help you out. 
So if you've been loving these episodes and all of the tips and it's been super helpful, but you just need a bit more structure and direction, then check out my 30 day reboot course. It's an online course, so you can literally start today. 30 days of content. So each day you get new content in written form, video form or audio, just to keep it nice and fresh. The content is exactly the same as what I go through in one-to-ones. So it's amazing value for money. You get some lovely audio meditations along the way as well. And we have a Facebook group, so you know you're not alone. There are plenty of others in there. So if you are sick of waiting around and want your life back, you're so ready to kick binge eating out of your life and return to that relaxed, confident, happy version of you that you know is in there deep down inside, then this course is literally made for you. And best of all, it's just the price of a trip to Zara or Topshop, but it is worth so much more than that. It's eye-opening and life-changing, as one past alumni put it. So if that sounds good to you, head over to my website to sign up today, or just scroll down to the show notes. I'll pop a link in there too. All right, let's get back into today's episode. Exact same boat for me as well. Adopted the perfectionist identity, projected onto me, like mirrored back to me. Wow perfect grades like would cry if I got 97% or something like ridiculous level yeah literally I would be I would be my friends would make fun of me because they're like Emily you literally got a 94 you're fine you're like having a panic attack yes I should have gotten in a hundred yeah and it's interesting because it definitely is also still within me now but I think over the years over my like mid 20s it calmed down a bit because I think I was really like the food and body thing obviously threw it for a spin but then also in like your early 20s when you're trying to figure out life Mm -hmm. and things just aren't going perfectly like you don't know what you're doing you're lost there's no plan Mm -hmm. it kind of forces the perfectionist to just chill out because it's not helping Mm -hmm. and you start to realize after you kind of exit the whole academic world of school where it's like very black and white like just get get good grades Mm -hmm. once you're into real life you start to realize that like no one really has their shit together everyone's just flailing everyone's just trying to figure it out and this can calm down a bit that is that really lands with me right now because I am in my early 20s and all my friends for like we very recently I left like the academic world right and Mm -hmm. so and I was expected to like just continue on with school right away and like go to grad school do all these things and I was like no like I literally cannot I had to step away from that that like hamster wheel that I was on because I knew that one I was going into a field yes it was it's an amazing field like speech pathology is so Mm -hmm. needed but it wasn't what I needed to do. Like I, 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 there was so much resistance. I'm like, I already resent my future job. Like, I don't want this. Right. Yeah. And I was like, that's not how it should be. Um, and so I remember when I like signed up for hungry for happiness and I decided to do this, like my friends are like, what are you doing? Like get a real right. job. Like, what? What wow. are you yes. And, and even though they didn't like say that, yeah. I could like feel that. And especially with my parents and my family, they're like, what? They're like, be careful. Are you sure? Are you sure yes. you want to do this? Yes. And I was like, okay. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but no, it, it is that thing I can completely understand right now that perfectionism of, I, I see it really like with a lot of people my age who are, you know, like getting real jobs and moving places and just, we're all so stressed about like, everything needs to be perfect. And we need yeah. to figure out our lives. And I'm like, okay, take a step back there's what is the rush like yeah. especially right now like I mean COVID is still you know she's still doing her thing <laughs> let's just like breathe for a second because right now there my perfectionist is not going to be soothed in any like it's, it's she's not going to be happy regardless 
So let's just like allow that to be the case and like figure mm-hmm. out what is really best for me right now and what's working, what's not, what fills me up energetically, emotionally and go from there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's so true. Like the more in my twenties where I was, was faced with imperfections that I just like couldn't control or like I was a bit lost, mm-hmm. the more comfortable I became with the lack of perfection basically like I was so uncomfortable with it before but now if I had started a business when I was like 20 or 21 back in the days I would have been perfecting everything and like procrastinating starting for fear of rejection and failing and not being perfect and now I'm just like just put something out there like let's just do it let's just do it and my sister is three years younger and she's been starting a freelance business Mm -hmm. and she's in that like the more perfectionist state I'm like girl just like put something out there like and then keep like building on that. It's fine. And it just shows me like where I probably was those years ago. Yeah. Oh, that so speaks to me a hundred percent. Cause I get that. It's like the fear of like, oh my God, my program needs to be perfect. Yeah. Like I really care so deeply for all of my clients. Like how can I make it better? And I'm like, wait a second, you're not helping anybody if you're, yeah. if you're not even putting anything out there. So like, just, just do the damn thing and, and exactly. serve. Okay. My other thing that I wanted to dive into was just like body image, because that's, so big in this whole food and body thing like where did it start with you kind of the innocent desire to be a bit fitter be a bit more lean or whatever it was Mm -hmm. I guess speak to us about I mean this could go in so many directions but what what kind of beliefs maybe were you struggling with then and how if you have like shifted that what does it look like now for you yeah oh this is so good this is like my favorite (laughs) thing to talk about um because my negative body image stemmed from very young, very, very young. I really don't remember a time when I was growing up that I liked my body. Um, Even though, yeah, even though I was, again, like very small, like very, like everybody was giving me that external validation of like, oh, you're the skinny one. Oh, you're the tiny one, like all these things. But Mm -hmm. to me, like my body, like I have hips and I have this and I, certain things just don't, I'm like, I don't look like the models. Like what, what is wrong with me? Um, So I think from a very young age, I internalized this like discomfort in my body. And on top of that, like I was a gymnast and then I was a cheerleader. I was thinking about that. That's like two little slippery slope sports there with body image. Yeah. Huge, huge, like very slippery, like just like, and I remember, so I I would say, because I also hit puberty really late. So like, I was always the last person out of like all my friend groups. I was like 16 and I was like, oh, now I have boobs. Great. Mm -hmm. So I think- Me too. Yes. Okay. So up until like, as everybody else was like filling out, like I was still always getting that validation of, oh, you're so tiny, you're so small, like I'm so jealous. And as soon as I started filling out, I I hated it. Right. Like I was so uncomfortable. I was also like, what the fuck is happening? Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I just remember being in cheerleading and I was a flyer because I was short. And Mm -hmm. so I was on top for those who like, don't really know. And I was being thrown up and I needed to be flexible and like all these things. And I was tumbling and So the people that I would follow on, let's say social media or from like other schools, like they all were ripped, like, like eight packs. Like Mm -hmm. these girls had been doing cheer probably their whole lives. Like they lived in the gym and even like the gymnasts that I followed. And so I I still wanted to look like that. Right. Because they were getting all the likes and they were the ones who were like getting the accolades. And I was like, wow, like I need to look like that to be a good flyer. I need to look like this. And even if that wasn't like what I was saying to myself, you know, you know that those are like the deep messages that you're receiving yeah. and when you're 14, 15 years old, like that really lands with you pretty deep, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so, so I, I started filling out and 
I really hated it. I, I really, really did. And also because we were always wearing like spandex and, and sports yeah. bras. These things would just, they wouldn't feel good on my body, if that makes sense. Like they just didn't fit right. Mm-hmm. And the, the funny thing is I also had a, so I also grew up with a grandmother who I lived with and she, um, and I, I love her so much. My Nana is so funny. She's such a riot, but she really struggled with body image and she would always used to tell me that she's like, oh, I just wish that I, she's like, I, her whole entire life, she was like 85 pounds because she was a smoker and she like, she didn't eat. She was like a model and she would actually glorify like a lot of models and be like, aren't they beautiful? And they were stick thin, like really struggling right. with like anorexia or something, you know? And so I would get these messages and I was like, oh, is that, is that beautiful? Like, is that, is that what I'm supposed to look like? Or I'd always get comments um, and she'd be like, oh, your legs are perfect. Like you have the perfect figure. And mm, you know, right. And, and this was, she lived with me since I was like 10. <laughs> so yeah. even as like a younger girl, you know, I was like, oh, okay, this stuff matters, right? Like that, I was like, oh, this this is important. And, you know, I, I love her so much. I really do. I have no animosity whatsoever. Like she's mm-hmm. amazing. And we've talked about it. I was like, yeah, like, you know, th- those are probably not the best things to have <laughs> said to like a little girl, but you know, we're working on it. Um, but so anyways, like that's a little tangent. Um, I always thought throughout, as I was growing up that, the answer to the discomfort that I was feeling was losing a bunch of weight mm-hmm. and really, you know, doing that. And what I found, you know, for a momentary, like brief couple of maybe days, like, yeah, you, okay. I felt good in my body when I lost all the weight. And then the, the hyper obsession about food and, and calories and everything all of a sudden just like took over my, my mm-hmm. mental real estate. And there, all of a sudden I was like, I'm miserable. Like, okay, maybe my, my legs are feel a little bit better now, but I, my life is so small. Like, is yeah. this really what I was striving for that whole entire time? And, you know, this obviously took me like many years throughout my journey as I peeled, um, because again, like my whole binging was fueled still by that, like wanting to be thin and wanting mm-hmm. to lose the weight. But the funny thing is, um, I think over past year once we started hunger for happiness I was like you know I'm gonna gain weight like it was a very conscious decision because Mm -hmm. um I lost my period like there were things that I was just like okay like you know I'm exercising too much there's a lot of things I was injured like I I just knew to do this work I I needed to like walk the walk and not just though like my binging had like really subsided I was like okay like I'm gonna gain weight and the funny thing is yes it was it was extremely hard like I do not want to like invalidate or minimize anybody's experience but now being at like the same weight, if not heavier than I was when I was like, when I started my whole journey of like hating myself, I am like the most happy, like the happiest and most confident in my skin that I've ever been. Mm-hmm. Like hands down, I, the, 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 the shift from what it was like of hating myself and now being like bigger, right? Like so much bigger and like literally looking at myself and being like, oh my God, you're hot. <laughs> or just- Love that. Even being like, damn girl, like, <laughs> and it's not every day, right? Like we always have yeah. negative body image days, but how much I, my, my worth doesn't come from my body anymore. Like it, it is so irrelevant truly mm-hmm. to, to um, who I am and, and what I bring to this world. And, and I've found like so much acceptance and even love like at this place. And it's just, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's really good. I don't remember your question. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I that. <laughs> okay, I think I asked you, um, oh yeah, what were your body image beliefs like and like mm-hmm. how's it shifted? So I guess to add on to what you just said, yeah. what were the things that you did to help you 
I'm assuming part of it was even the like intentional weight gain. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 Well, when I decided, so it was a very conscious decision um, to gain weight because I knew I, I didn't feel, I don't want to say like, I didn't feel healthy, but I, I just, I felt like I was not in integrity with like what I was doing because I was still so deeply fearing food. Like that was really the, the base of it right. too. Like I was still, I had still had so many food rules that even though like my binging had subsided, I just, I did not like the, the still the, the rumination of food and calories because I knew that like, if I put this time and energy into something else, like I could do so many great things. You could build a motherfucking empire. Yeah, like let's fucking go. <laughs> and so, so one of them, it was a very intentional thing, but it honestly didn't make it any easier. Like I would say like the journey itself was still very tumultuous and, and just, there was a lot of <laughs> difficult moments, but mm-hmm. thankfully I was in hunger for happiness during that time. So I had a container of, of like-minded individuals or just support. Like yeah. that was so crucial during my, my journey because I needed that. I needed those people to lean on or the, the mentor, the coach to like, be like, Hey, like I'm really struggling. Give me the words that I need. Give me the meditation. Give mm-hmm. like, what do I do right now? Because I'm spiraling. And so that was really helpful. Um, being in that, in just in that energy of people who like understood and like valued you for like nothing having to do with your body. Yeah. A huge aspect of it was completely like social media, putting up so many boundaries around like models or, or just even like fitness influencers mm-hmm. who, though I like still love to work out and now it like doesn't bother me at all. But like during when I was really gaining weight and my body was changing and I was so afraid that I was going to walk into a room and people were only going to see how much weight I had gained type of mm-hmm. thing. I, um, I just, I, I stopped following those accounts or, or I really, really put major boundaries up because I, I didn't want to see those bodies anymore. I wanted to see bodies that look like my body. And so I started following like real body accounts, which I still do. And I think that is one of the biggest game changers that I've ever done, like in massively like shifting my belief system. Yeah. Because now I see people who, again, completely love themselves, like are so in their worth, in their true power. And I'm like, you're a fucking badass and you look like me. Like, I don't need to lose 20 pounds. Mm -hmm. I don't need to have abs to do that. Like I can do that right now in the body that I have. So and, powerful. Oh my God. So, so big. That's and actually something that the, uh, the girl that I mentioned that I just did a podcast with earlier today, yeah. she said the same thing, like curating her feed and having more bodies that look like hers or even like curvier and seeing that they, despite the old beliefs of like thin equals better, equals happier, equals more confident. They are all those things and that you don't have to have that body. Yeah, no, you, you really don't. And I mean, obviously like I know this now after going through so many years of healing, like I'm so much more happier in my body now than I ever was when I was thinner too. Because mm-hmm. again, I was just so obsessed about food and calories and working out 24 seven. It was just like a, an anxiety attack waiting to happen. So, yeah. so that kind of thing. But um, another thing that I did was I threw out all the old clothes <laughs> that didn't fit. Like I, this is so, this is seemingly so simple, but it was so big because Sometimes I find that we we keep things in our closet because we're like, when we lose the weight, you know, yes. well, well, you know, we, we, we keep them or, or I gave some away. I didn't throw it all out, you know, mm-hmm. but um, we, we have this like reminder that we're not good enough at the body yeah. that we're at, right? And so I was like, Em, why are you trying to fit into clothes that you wore at 15? Mm-hmm. That's not normal. Like, you're not 15. Like, you, you grew up and- <laughs> What, what is it? Why, you know, what is really, I started really questioning like, okay, why am I putting so much value in these pair of jeans? 
why am I going to wear something that's going to make me feel uncomfortable in my body all day and only make me more antsy, make me more anxious, like feel, you know, bring on these feelings of just not being good enough. Right. And then have that snowball into all other like aspects of my life. Like that's not how I want to show up. Mm -hmm. And I had to really like, really challenge those old beliefs. And it was, it was hard as hell. (laughs) It was really scary at first, but then I, I was like, okay, how can I make this exciting? Like, how can I kind of frame this in a way that's like super empowering? And what I started to do was like, okay, you know what? Like, yeah, I'm throwing out these clothes. I'm buying bigger sizes because like, I'm allowed to take up space or like, mm-hmm. I'm like a woman. Like, I don't need to be a child anymore. Yeah. Like, how great is this? Like, I get to like reinvent myself as like this, this professional or it's this whoever, yeah. like, whatever word really resonates for you. But like, that was one of the things where it's like, I want to actually start dressing my age and I want to, you know, I want to do things that like, like, a, like somebody who values themselves or like, who's mature will will wear things that make them feel good so that they can show up powerfully and I, and then I really started like shifting all these these statements in, in, in these thoughts and just that really helped too yeah love it such good tips I love the reframing it into something empowering because it can feel like oh this is a chore and I'm fighting like what what society is telling me and it's so difficult and frustrating and that's such a cool tip I'm so about the reframes because it really is like at the basis of everything it's like how are we what is the meaning that we're putting behind it and if it's coming from a place of resistance and like oh I don't want to do this like it's gonna be so much harder <laughs> yes yes so true and we have the power to, to really shift that yeah it's crazy how deeply ingrained the body image stuff is like obviously with you it's there from the very start oh, yeah. for me I I was at dinner with my dad the other day and he hadn't seen me in like, I'm going to say like two weeks. And he said, oh, like in front of everyone, in front of my family, have you lost weight? And I know for him, that is um, a positive thing. That's like praise. And like definitely growing up, I noticed he had like fat shaming tendency, tendencies. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that fed into also my like weight issues as well back then. But anyway, um, And I noticed that the very like automatic reaction before I had time to think was excitement that he said that I was like, Oh, it's a compliment. It's like, Oh my God. I'm not even, I don't even think I did lose weight or I'm not trying or anything, but I was still like, Oh my God. And then obviously I like my conscious kicked in and I was like, hang on a second. Mm -hmm. It's okay that you felt that way, but Mm -hmm. he would he still loves you even if you've gained weight you're still just as lovable and those are his beliefs that yes he's partly been uh, part of the reason that it's been like ingrained into you like passed down from that generation that's his belief it's not mine and like that's not mine to like absorb and continue to reaffirm basically like I had to do that reminder to myself mm, I, I so so resonate with that on like such a visceral level it's so funny yeah, going into like the fat shaming. I mean, back to my my grandmother, my nana who lived with me, even like, I think I saw her on New Year's, or, I mean, two weeks ago. And she's like, and she's known like, uh, that I like purposely gained weight, like, it's very obvious. But um, she's like, don't worry. She's like, you actually look really good. You don't look fat at all. And I was like, okay. actually, you actually look really good. I, and I was at the point, like, sometimes, especially with her, I mean, she's, I don't know, she's like 80 at this point. I'm like, you know, I, I was running out the door and I really had to like take a step back. And, you know, at first, like there was a part of me that still gets a little triggered, right? Like that part of me is like, Ooh, that still stings. Like, Ooh, Mm -hmm. I feel that in my solar plexus, but it's nowhere like it was a year ago, right? Like at all when I was first gaining weight and 
it's okay. Like she doesn't know any better. And she really does think that's a compliment. And though, you know, right now, like that's not at all what we want to be hearing. I, I kind of push that. I, I kind of put a pause on that conversation. I'm like, Nana, we're going to talk about this tomorrow. <laughs> we're not going to, we're going to shut this converse, conversation down. And I, you know, I, I'm just real with her. I'm like, Hey, like, I really appreciate you trying to compliment me, but I'd like, you know, I really would rather not have comments about my body. Um, because again, like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It, it, it's, it's hard when, um, I guess maybe it's a little easier to, to shift those or have those conversations with like people who are willing to hear them. But I think with my Nana, especially cause she has just had that so ingrained with her for what, 80 years. Like at this point, I'm more just like putting up boundaries around those conversations and mm-hmm. just being like, you know what, what's today? I deserve to protect my energy and this probably won't make me feel good. Yeah. <laughs> We're just not going to have that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I get that. I, I really do. <laughs> well, Emily, it's been so cool to have you here. Literally, I loved this conversation. So many like nuggets of wisdom. Everyone's going to love it. Thank you Thank so much. You so much for having me. I, I love, we always have really good conversations. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you. And thank you to everyone for tuning in. And that's the scoop for today. I hope you enjoyed the episode and learned something new that you can start applying to your life. If you took something from this episode, it would mean the world to me if you could share it with someone in your life, change someone's day, change their mood or even their life. Be that person. I know I love it when my sister sends me podcast episodes. It just shows me that she's really thinking of me and wants to help me elevate my life alongside her. As always, feel free to DM me on Instagram at at freewithbreed. I'm always open to feedback, so let me know what you want me to speak about, what you love, what you want less of. This podcast is for you after all. Last but not least, here's how to win a one-hour, one-to-one session with me. Enter my monthly draw by sharing this episode or any of the episodes you've enjoyed, whether it's on your stories or on a post, and just make sure to tag me at Free With Breed. Simple as that. Okay, that's it from me. Have a wonderful rest of your day. I will see you next time.